Welcome, everybody. It's Aldo Gandhi, and we've got a very special show for you today. But before we get there, I want to make an announcement. We have a new show coming to the Barroom Network, and it's two guys who have been doing podcasting for many, many years. I got a little promo here I'll share with you. Back once again. 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 With a beat. Let the beat trick. The Mac and Reed Show is back once again, uh, this time with the Barroom Network. They took a few months off, uh, went on hiatus, but they've had a long-running podcast for many, many years. I've been a guest on their show a couple of times, and when they were off the air, I was like, uh, hey, we're, we're, what are you guys doing? What's going on? Oh, we're thinking about coming back, and I go, well, guess what? I just so happened to have some space on the Barroom Network. These guys really know their sports, are very passionate. We'll be talking a lot more about their debut show coming up very, very soon. The Mac and Reed Show, look for it here on the Barroom Network. But first and foremost, let's bring in Greg Gabriel. Greg, how are you, my friend? Good morning. I'm Good. wonderful. Good. Uh, just before we went on, I, I, I was going to hit the go live button and I asked you, hey, did you see the Oscars? And you said, I don't watch that shit. <laughs> but you heard about the controversy, right? Well, yeah, I woke up this morning and it was all over Twitter because I get up early. I get up at you know 530 mm -hmm. and I see it. So then I found some things that had the unedited, uncensored right. version, yeah. and which was good. And, and I applaud Will Smith completely uh but i'm not one who takes hollywood and actors very seriously mm -hmm. you know they're in a make-believe profession mm -hmm. and a lot of them are elitists that think they're better than everybody else and they're not they're just normal freaking people that is and, true end of discussion they they've got everybody has got some sort of talent mm -hmm. and that's their talent but that doesn't make them better than anybody else I totally agree with you. And the way they continually just celebrate over and over and over and over again their accomplishments. There's an award for this. There's an award for that. There's an award for this. The people, the sound editors are upset that their award is not going to be televised. It's like, please, you guys are just the most arrogant people on the planet Earth. Oh, Thank, thanks for the entertainment, but please back off a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you're, you're doing a job, you get paid for it. And yeah. you're just Exactly. I, I don't uh, get it, but you would have gone up there and, and bitch slapped Chris Rock too if you made a joke about your wife, huh? Yeah. I mean, except I, I, I wish you would have punched him instead of slapped him. <laughs> you but, don't, you, you know, don't think it's a criminal offense, though, Greg? Well, either yeah, it was. He, Chris Rock refused to press charges. They, yes. He was asked if he wanted to, but the best part wasn't that. It was after when when. Chris Rock said, well, it's just a joke. And he said something else. And then what Will Smith came back with, <laughs> loved it. I mean, so, you know, people who thought that was staged found out right then and there. Yes. That wasn't staged. <laughs> he was pissed. Uh, the, uh, you know, and people may have forgotten that Will Smith played Muhammad Ali. That's right. Uh, in the movie. And he, that, boy, that right hand, right hand slap came out at like 
It was zero. Oh, that was a wind seven up. seconds. Yeah, even though he wound up, that thing landed quickly, man. <laughs> that was unbelievable. All right, but we're here to talk about something uh, very, very special. Well, let's tackle the news that's happened in the NFL since we last met. For Bears fans, it's the uh, signing of the offer sheet for offensive lineman Ryan Bates. And your thoughts on Bates, and it, it's looking good for, for tomorrow. Perhaps he will officially become a member of the Chicago Bears. Well, nothing looks good until he's actually I hear you. <laughs> signed, sealed, and delivered. And technically, he has signed. He has signed mm-hmm. the offer sheet. Now, what doesn't get a lot of play is that he was presented an offer from Minnesota that he turned down and got a, a, a better offer from the Bears. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think in, in this case, the Bills miscalculated. He was looked upon as a starter. In fact, I just had, a, you know, some people were just saying, well, he wasn't a starter, he's a backup. Yeah, he's a backup at the end of the year, but he was, or at the beginning of the year, but he started the last three games of the year, started the playoff games, and was penciled in as a starter going forward. And, you know, I got a lot of friends there. I know what's, you know, going on in the organization. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think, what they did, they tendered him right of first refusal. I think that was a mistake. You know, sometimes you, you, you think the teams around the league aren't going to do as good a job as you as, as evaluating your own players. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not true because you can, you know, if you got a, an astute scouting department that can find the right players, uh, they're going to do it. And you watch that tape from those last five games. He was out. He wasn't good. He was outstanding. Mm-hmm. And so, and he's got versatility. He can play either guard position. He can play right tackle. You don't want him at tackle because his arm length is 32 and a half. And, and so it's a little bit short. Um, by the way, was it you that had it out? Somebody had um, that. Tevin Jenkins had 32 and seven eight inch arms or something yes, like it that. Yes, it was on my Twitter account. Yes. Yeah, that that's not a correct measurement. It was 33, oh, okay. 33 and a half. 33 and a half. All right. So let me correct From that. the pro day. And then, you know, we had talked about that. Any measurement hand and arm coming from last year when there was no combine. Yeah, yeah. I take with a grain of salt. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the nine and an eighth hand measurement. Mm-hmm. of uh, Justin Fields. I don't count it because that is one measurement that if not done correctly, and when it's at the combine, it's done by the same person on every, you know, year after year, the same person does it. And then he uh, he's doing every single guy at the combine. It's done very precisely. Same, you know, hand and, and uh, arm measurement. And so, you know, it's, it's correct. And you could look, you, you can go back to the senior bowl or go back to the east-west game and get the measurements and then compare them <laughs> to the combine from this year, and you will see there's a difference mm-hmm. on a lot of guys. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what's Tevin? I don't know. I don't know exactly what he is. He was 30 at his pro day, he was 33 and a half. Well, whatever it is, it apparently was enough to instill confidence in Ryan Pace that he could be the starting left tackle, despite not getting tons of snaps in college for that. So, But um, I'm going to go back. You know, we talked about this once before, and this is my take, and I don't really care what anybody else thinks. 
the kid from Northwestern. Yeah. They got drafted. He was the, the uh, first tackle off the board the mm-hmm. Chargers took. Yeah. You know how many games he started left tackle at Northwestern? Like two or three, right? Something like 11. that. 11. <laughs> okay. Okay. And, and that's it. And he, and opted, he opted out of, of right. the, the 2020 season. Mm-hmm. So Tevin Jenkins started eight. Mm-hmm. Three game difference. That's it. Mm-hmm. And Tevin actually started more games than this guy. And that guy was the, the Northwestern guy was, was a right tackle that got moved over to the left side. Mm-hmm. Um, Tevin was penciled in to be the starting left tackle in 2019 and the right uh, the right tackle got hurt and the backup supposed to be the swing tackle felt more comfortable playing on the left side than the right side and tevin said that i'll play the right you play the left and otherwise that's a great attitude okay so that's why he didn't play 2020 at left tackle. It was really a team thing. But, I, you know, people take these shots, they don't know what the hell they're talking about. Yeah. Find out first what the facts are right. and, and familiarize yourself with what the facts are and then, you know, make a statement. But to make it offhand, well, he's never played left tackle. He has played left tackle. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And, and that's quite big of him because clearly he probably would have preferred to showcase his skills at the left tackle position because those players on the offensive line tend to make more money, but for him to uh, readily say, I'll move over to right tackle for the team's sake, that that's. I'm going to argue with it just a little bit on that. And, and, and that's because the way the league is going right tackle will make a lot of money now too. Yeah, yeah. And that's since you got to have two left tackles for mm-hmm. lack of a better term, because you're playing with a lot of open sets, right? Uh, no tight end or uh, the tight end is, is flexed out. And so you've got both tackles that both tackles that don't have help, you know, from a tight end. And so uh, you've got to have two guys that can pass block. Well, and I've been making the argument too, that the guards uh, and their pass blocking uh, skills are as important as ever because of the short passing game. And so we're seeing a lot of premier pass rushers going up the middle and so you need guards that can absolutely uh, allow it's, the quarterback it's to step a chess up. game. Yeah. It's a chess game where and defensive coordinators say, okay, I'm going to find the weak link. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they're, so they're, they're studying the offensive line of their opponent. Mm-hmm. They're going to go, okay, this guy's the weakest pass blocker. I'm putting my strong pass rusher over this guy. Mm-hmm. And, and you- there was times, there was times, I'm sorry. Oh, no. there, there, were, there was times where Khalil Mack played inside in some mm-hmm. pass rush situations. Yeah. Which I you loved know, to see. <laughs> yeah, you, you you do that. You don't need the big bulky guy when you know they're going to throw the ball. Exactly. Um, do you think there's any chance that Eric Fisher could be signed by the Chicago Bears soon? There, Mule and some others in the chat have, have uh, speculated on this. Uh, personally, I wouldn't. I, I first, he's going to cost a lot of money. Yes, he and, is. And. Um, and I don't know how much he made at the, at the Colts last year, but he's, he's going to want at, at least that. Mm-hmm. He wasn't, you know, Kansas City let him get away mm-hmm. in free agency. And the Colts signed him just to a one-year contract. Now, in fairness, he had an injury. He had the torn Achilles, so he's coming off the, the uh, 
the injury and wasn't going to be ready to go until just at the start of the begin or the start of the season last year. Mm -hmm. So, but his overall play last year wasn't to a point where the Colts wanted to resign him. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, Eberflus knows him. Yep. so he he knows exactly what the Colts thought and what the what the Colts coaches thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, so is it a possibility? Yeah, I just don't see them spending that kind of money mm-hmm. uh, on a guy, especially. You know, let's 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 revise this a little bit. Let's back up. Okay, the offseason program for the Bears because they got a new coaching staff starts next week. Okay, okay then you can have. Be, again, because it's a new coaching staff, you can have an extra mini camp. And the mini camp, the extra one is usually early. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and probably before the draft. Wouldn't shock me. Now, the difference between, you know, off season program and OTAs and mini camp is in OTAs and mini camps, you can go offense versus defense. Mm-hmm. Theoretically, there's no contact, but there's, always <laughs> something going on, but you, you can find out something. The coaches are going to know, or the, the new line coach is going to know pretty much how he feels about Tevin Jenkins playing on the left side mm-hmm. before the draft even begins. Mm-hmm. Now, will you have time to, to sign a veteran? Absolutely. You know, so I just don't expect it now. Uh, I mean, could it happen? Yeah, but I, I just, you know, just based on what he's done to date in free agency, mm-hmm. that it just doesn't seem like it'd be something that he would do. Yeah, I I, I agree with that. I mean, it's he's, it's clear that his plan is becoming clearer and clearer with each signing, and so it's building depth and then looking for opportunities. Uh, more so in the draft to find some difference makers, some playmakers, and so forth. You think if they sign bets, that it's almost a guarantee that they'll be looking for need areas uh, in the second round with those two picks that they have, like cornerback, um, uh, wide receiver. I, I think a corner is a given. Yeah. For, for one of the uh, first of all, it's a need position that has not been addressed in free agency, and generally you got to overpay in free agency for corners. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the draft, the history of the draft, and this went back, and, and I did this study originally, and for the 2001 draft, so it was my last draft with the Giants, and I came here just a couple of weeks after that draft, uh, we were going to take a corner, but we wanted to find out, you know, at, at that point, a few weeks before the draft, I wasn't sure if it was going to be a first round, second round, or whatever, you know, and then so we did a, a study and I was the guy who got elected to do the study mm-hmm. and you know, how many corners go on average in the, in the first three rounds? Mm-hmm. Well, it turned out and I've kept track of it ever since 12 to 15 corners go in the first three rounds every single year. Wow. wow. Now you might get a 16 or, or, you know, 16, one year something like that but for most cases it falls in that 12 to 15 man category mm-hmm. the bulk of which are in the second round okay so you uh, might get three or four in the first round yeah but you you get a lot in the second round and then the third and, and corners get overdrafted 
in the third round because people, it's a money position. You know, you got to have one. And so, and, and people, hey, if I did that study, you know, everybody else has done that same thing. They know when you got to take a quarter, and you got, otherwise you got to get lucky. Now, New England got that guy, was his name, J.C. Jackson, that just signed a big free agent contract. Mm-hmm. He was a free agent, but he had issues off the field. Oh, I didn't know that. And that's why, I, and big time issues mm-hmm. off the field. And that's why he didn't get drafted. But he was like a first or second round talent that went undrafted because of the issues. Mm-hmm. Interesting. All right, uh, we've got a main topic for today's show, but I want to get through some of these uh, sort of hot topics that have been going on throughout the NFL. Uh, first of all, it was announced today that John Fox, former Chicago Bears uh, head coach, is now working for the Indianapolis Colts. Did you hear that, Greg? Yeah, I saw that this morning. Yeah, what do you think about I, uh, Fox? Well, you know, my first exposure to Foxy was when he was a – defensive back coach at the University of Pittsburgh, and then he went to the Steelers, and then he became a coordinator, uh, was a coordinator for a long time, mm-hmm. and was I worked with him when he was a coordinator in New York for four or five years before I came here. And I got to tell you, I, I, I might have said this on a show a long time ago, and, and I mean, nothing's in cement, but when we came in in 2001, you know, Jerry was told we got the job in, in June and and Jerry was told, look, at you know, you can't make a cha- coaching change now. You can after the season. Mm-hmm. So we go into the season thinking we were going to make a coaching change. It turned out Dick Gerard did the best coaching job of his career yeah, yeah. that year. And we ended up having to sign him to an extension. Mm-hmm. But the favorite going into the clubhouse at that point was John Fox. Is that right? Wow. And, you know, and, and it was really unanimous by, the, you know, the those of us who were doing that. And he ended up going to Carolina, Carolina. the next year. Yeah. And he did a great job there. I think here he just, you know, he had some health issues. And, right. Yeah, I don't know if he was totally into it. Mm-hmm. When he came to Chicago eventually, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah there have been reports that, uh, yeah, that his his performance was unequal in terms of commitment. Uh, it may have been because of health issues. Um, other big news: we talked briefly about the Tyreek Hill trade. What a shocker, huh? I, I'm just shocked that the <laughs> second most explosive weapon on that offense. After the quarterback gets tra- gets traded, I'm like, wow, mm-hmm. you know that one. It, it and and how about this? How did that stay quiet? That was going on for a week, yeah. and that didn't get broken out until a couple hours before completion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That I, I mean, how big of a loss is this for the Kansas City Chiefs? Because he he's like an important cog in that. Chiefs offense. You lose a guy oh, like yeah. that. Like, wow. Well, there's a one. There's one play against uh, Buffalo in the playoff game where he just takes a little two or three yard pass and ends up going about sixty. Mm-hmm. Where he ra- he just ran by everybody, you know, yeah. because he's so explosive. He's by far the fastest guy in the league. Yeah. 
at least play speed wise he is. Mm -hmm. And uh, there might be a few guys that time faster, but they don't play any faster. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what he did, I, I, to me, he's irreplaceable. irreplaceable. Yes. Am I saying that right? <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> uh, you know, they went out, they signed a fast guy, and, and Velda Scantling, a lot wanted here. Mm -hmm. uh, Ryan Pold, you know, when you look at the money he got, he got money, you know, he didn't get money like Christian Kirk got, but he got second or third of the wide receiver money. And, and, he, you know, Ryan Poles just wasn't going to do that because you look at some of the rest of the deals, and, and and if Ryan Poles really wanted Juju Smith Schuster, he could have had him because he didn't get his contract is actually loaded with incentives. The base right. part of that contract would have been easy to do. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Uh, I I, I got a, I actually on Twitter I went out and applause for uh, MVS's agent the fact that he was able to get that big deal for his client when the market was trending down for uh, wide receiver payment right. is uh, to me, you know, uh, agent of the of the month award should go to that guy. He, he did a great job of being, being patient and, and getting the max for his client. Good right. Job. And and I heard New Orleans was in on it. Green Bay just didn't have the money to give him that kind of money. I know Chicago was in on it, but they weren't going in that direction money-wise. And I'll tell you what, you you, you got to give Ryan Pohl some credit. Now he's, he's Some fans are giving him heat because they want him to spend money. Well, spending money doesn't necessarily equal success. Thank you. And he wants to get bang for his buck. And, and so, and he is staying true to what he said he's going to do. Yes. At least I, I think next year when they're going to have a bunch of money. Yeah. that um, you're going to see him get some A-level free agents. Mm -hmm. uh, but still, I think he's going to pick and choose. Right. Um, there was news uh, yesterday or this weekend, uh, Kevin Fishbane of The Athletic uh, wrote in his Q&A column, and I, I, I frankly have not seen that, read that yet, but it was making the social media buzz that Justin Fields basically had one year to kind of prove himself to the general manager and head coach that really that he really is the franchise quarterback and that if they don't see significant improvement in his skill set in terms of uh, improving the throwing motion, not fumbling the ball, those kinds of things that we saw were were of concern in his rookie season, then that the the Bears hierarchy, the Bears new brain trust might be then seeking another quarterback. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, you got to think that way. You never worked with the guy. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, you want it to work and you want him to be a franchise quarterback, uh, but you don't know for sure. You got to see how quickly he picks up this offense. I mean, when you look at the highlights and just the good throws and stuff, you, you, there's a lot of wow to them. Mm -hmm. But some of the interceptions were terrible. The fumbles, uh, things like that, are, are cause for concern. Sometimes he's a little slow getting the ball out of his hand and reading things. But I, I, I think as a whole, you're going to see a huge improvement in his game this year. Maybe it's wishful thinking on my part. But – you know, I'm not down on him, but I understand where Kevin's coming from on that. 
But I think that's the case with every guy on the team. It's not just Justin Fields. You got, you know, the, the new sheriff in town, new, new, new head coach, new general manager. It's like, hey, guys, you all got to prove yourself. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. No complaints from me on that. Uh, before we get to our main topic, uh, let's uh, answer a couple of these questions that I found here. Uh, Winston asks, uh, hey, Greg, who did you learn your team building philosophy from? Bill Parcells? No, not Parcells, because back when I worked with Bill, the coaches weren't as involved mm-hmm. as they are now. Um, George Young, uh, talking to people around the league, you know, you always, you're on a school call, you're at the combine, you're at a pro day or whatever, you, could, you know, the night before you might go out to dinner or that night you might go out to dinner. So you, you, you generally pick guys brains Mm -hmm. and then you um take the best of all those thoughts and try to oh i like that Mm -hmm. i don't like that you know throw away what you don't like keep what you do like and and, and develop your own philosophy but you got to be very fluid because the game changes Mm -hmm. yeah but one thing i am a stickler about it and, and and you can see it coming from from ryan too is that you know, character. And when I say character, I'm not talking off field character. That's important. But football character mm-hmm. is essential. And that's a, the guy's passion for the game. Yeah. Um, most important question I've ever seen asked on this show is ask Greg, is he going on a date? Because that sweater that you're wearing is really nice. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not going. To, I had another one on and my wife said, don't wear that. <laughs> so she made me she made me change <laughs> that is fantastic <laughs> all right our main topic uh for uh this show is preparing for the nfl draft i got a uh let me see i i always have this uh, countdown thing open where is it uh there it is uh, we are now, as uh, for those of you watching live, we are 31 days, eight hours, three minutes, and less than 50 seconds away from the opening uh, round of the NFL draft. Uh, well, so, add another date to it because the opening round is is just for fun. That's for, right. For, for us watching. Yes. So you you think there's absolutely no way, no way we're going to jump into the first round uh, for a trade. I, I mean, I, no. I, I hate to ask you for an absolute like that, but yeah, the likelihood no. is not going to happen, right? No, no. I mean, what you'd have to give up and, and you don't have enough picks as it is. Mm-hmm. And, and why don't you have enough picks? Because you kept doing that. Now, right. in saying that, last year's trade, I think, was very, very good. Mm-hmm. If they actually hit on Justin Fields, because you look at this year's quarterback class as compared to last year's, mm-hmm. not even close. Yep. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I don't think anybody should really uh, say that wasn't a great trade by, by Ryan Pace. He's, he made some really good moves during his tenure here, and that probably has to go at the top of the list. Oh, I'll and tell you what, his 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 day three drafting yeah. was excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Right. And even if Justin Fields doesn't work out, uh, the fact that he was able to execute that deal to put himself in place to draft a quarterback, I, I think was something that you got to give the guy credit for. How about this? See that the Giants might be trying to trade one of those 
for a, a number one next year. Oh, no, because the quarterback class is better next year? Well, that's part of it, I think. But part of it is they're really tight against the cap. And your your rookie pool is based on where your picks are. And those are two top eight picks, top seven picks. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of money involved in that. Mm-hmm. And they don't necessarily want to spend that money this year. Yeah. And so they're open to trading down or whatever with one of those picks and, and, and getting a first next year in return, mm-hmm. along with what, whatever else they get. Mm-hmm. You had... Uh speculated that there's a possibility now with the signing of Mohammed at defensive end and maybe some of the things coming up that uh, Quinn could be a trade a candidate. Um, maybe even, I don't think you said this. I think Brad Biggs may have written it even post June 1st, that he could be a trade candidate. Give me some more thoughts on that. No, I, I, I think when you look at the signing of al Qadin Mohammed, that that, that's the first thing I thought of. Yeah, was was is is Quinn going, and because he's the only guy that has value, mm-hmm. and and I disagree with Big Z on the June first thing because you want some picks this year. Yeah, right. Okay, and I would think you you got to be able to get a second. He's coming off eighteen and a half sacks. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, but is that their thinking? Mm-hmm. There hasn't been, I mean, you know, it's speculated by a couple in the media, but there's been nothing from from national guys as far as uh, could he be, you know, on, on the trade front and, and they're trying to move him. Now, that a lot, of, because you got everybody in the league and a lot of agents out there too, there could be some chatter going on down in Palm Beach, you know, the, over the next couple of days. Mm-hmm. Um and I think the same thing with Foles. Uh, Foles, I would think, because of if he's not traded, they won't cut. They can't put a, a June first designation on a post June because they already used their two. They're only mm-hmm. allowed to do two, well, and they already they used them already. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they could cut them, but they don't get the you know the that that cap sure. advantage of cutting them. But so you can literally wait till June first to cut them. If, if you wanted to do that. Um, I like the signing of Trevor Simeon. He's got more mobility. Um, you know, obviously got ties to Chicago. He's a good person. He's a very good, solid backup. Uh, will somebody give you something? I mean, if you can get a sixth or a seventh out of Foles, wouldn't you jump at it? Yes. And, and I, I think part of it was, you know, the Bears had to pay him $4 million bucks. Mm-hmm. So he's already seen that. So that's now off for the acquiring team they just got the base salary Mm -hmm. which i think is four or five million dollars or something i don't have that i think that's what it is yeah yeah so it's not that much to handle okay um so the main topic is what are nfl teams doing with 30 days out of the nfl draft 32 uh for uh day two of the draft so i i want to start the questioning by what are the major things that have been accomplished already heading into the this period where you're about a month away from the NFL draft? Well, so the, the obvious things uh, are the free agency signings, but aside from that stuff that we don't see on the surface. 
Well, one thing that's not done, and you'll see like on Twitter and in the media, you know, guys saying, well, such and such team has this guy rated in the top 10. No, they don't. Boards aren't set. You have a preliminary board, and the preliminary boards are based, in most cases, I can't say exactly that's the case with Ryan Poles because I don't know Ryan Poles, how he's going to do things. Mm -hmm. But in every draft room I've ever been to or been in, these preliminary boards is just the highest grade. Mm -hmm. You know, you might have five grades, but he's marked on that preliminary board with just the highest grade of all the grades. You haven't, you, you don't have all the information yet. You're still accumulating information. And right now it's the workout phase and, and your the coaches are involved. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in the last 20 years, the coach's involvement is a lot more, a lot stronger than it was when I first came in the league. Mm -hmm. And what's even more important this year is that the last two years we haven't had any private workouts and now you got private workouts back mm -hmm. and that's where coaches really get hands-on with guys mm -hmm. and and they can come back from that and say they really want this guy and and part of it's it's working in the classroom with them and then it's going out on the field and and, and doing a workout and you know the coach can come back and say hey i really want this guy and versus i don't want this guy at all you know, I, I don't care what his value is. I don't want him. I don't want to coach him. And I've seen that happen. So that's what a lot of that stuff is. And then the coaches are going to write up their players. Now, one thing I did, and I can't speak for, for everybody, is the coaches don't necessarily understand a grading system. Not that they're, they're not smart enough. It's just that they're not doing it day after day after day and writing hundreds upon hundreds of reports and so they know how to stack guys. So what we used to do to make it real simple for the coach, mm -hmm. his grade was he could start for us. He could be a quality backup. Mm -hmm. He can make our team. He can't make our team. Oh, interesting. Okay. Okay. So that's, tell us one of those four things. Yeah. And that told us pretty much what the grade was. Mm -hmm. because most grades have a definition to it. So if he says the guy is going to be a starter, mm -hmm. well, okay. You got to take that. Now you got to see if that matches with the grades that your, your scouts have okay. on the guy, but that's part of what's going on now. And, and it'll continue going on. Now pro days are running a little later this year because the combine was a week later mm -hmm. and, and the combine was later because the Super Bowl was later. So usually you're done with your pro days, except for a couple schools this week, mm -hmm. but they're going into next week now, first week of April. Okay. And then after that, you're putting all that stuff together. And generally speaking, two weeks, two and a half weeks before the draft, you bring everybody in and, and, and again, you start, setting your board by position okay okay so one day you're going to do the offensive line the next day you're going to do the quarterbacks the next day you're going to do the receivers and you stack them and once you get that part done stacked by position then you stack 
best to worst, mm-hmm. regardless of position. Okay. But all that takes up, most guys want it done, not necessarily a week before the draft, but let's say five days. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it's still fluid. Something could happen. Um, something off the field could happen. Something could happen to the, uh, to the guy physically, mm-hmm. whatever. And so, you know, every, you got to have a fluid situation. No grade is ever in cement until the day of the draft. Um, but once you do that, the general managers want time to, uh, number one, make calls and, and, you know, start that conversation about trading up, trading back, et cetera. Now, you know, Ryan Poles has said, well, you know, I want to get more picks. And he got some more picks with the Khalil Mack deal. And he probably still wants to get some more. Whether he can get anything for Foles remains to be seen. Whether he ends up trading uh, Quinn, that remains to be seen. But uh, he also could move back. But you don't want to move back just for the sake of moving back because you never want to drop down and in, 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 uh, the value of the talent. Mm-hmm. In other words, you know, you might have five or six guys that are in a, in a certain area on a board, their, their grades are similar grades, but they're different positions. And you've got them prioritized in your head who you'd want first, second or third of that group. But you're, you know, you might be happy with any of those guys. And so then, you know, you get into a situation, say, okay, we could be looking at four of these guys. And if we move back five or six spots, we're going to get one of those four. Okay. All right. Okay. And, and looking at the chart, the the Bears could move back, I think, five slots and get a fourth. Okay. And okay. what don't they have? They don't have a fourth. That's right. That's right. Um, I, I want to go back to a couple of things you've already mentioned. And first, the coach's involvement. Now, I know the word uh, collaboration has taken a dirty turn here in Chicago because it's something that prior, prior administration used too frequently. But I love the idea of coaches and the scouts working together and collaborating. But at the same time, you guys, the the scouting department, the director of scouting and the army of scouts out there, you guys are doing this every day. You guys have looked at the tape. You guys have gone out into the field and talked to players and coaches. You guys have tried to get uh, inside stories on these players and so forth. The opinion that comes from the scouts, to me, has to far outweigh what coaches might say after watching tape for a week or so. Am I right or wrong? Well, they're watching tape for more than a week, but you know, you know, they, they start the process in January. Mm-hmm. But don't forget, they're also doing free agents, and part of free agency is also familiarization with the player. You know, like the Bears signed Byron Pringle. Well, who knows Byron Pringle? Ryan Poles. Very good point. Yeah. Okay. They signed two guys from Green Bay. Who knows them? Getsy. Yep. You know, so you've got that familiarization. So that part helps in, in, in the free agency part. With the coaches, the only thing I'm going to say is that if a coach doesn't want a guy and I've said this several times, you cannot force the player on the coach. It won't work. The player will fail. 
Mm-hmm. Bill, Bill has a question. Uh, has uh, Poles bring brought in any scouts uh, from Kansas City? He brought in somebody from KC. One, one person? Yeah. He brought in – he's got the title. I can't remember what his name is, but he's the uh, – uh, oh, isn't he like a co-player dir- personnel guy? Yes, assistant director of player personnel or co-director of player yeah. personnel. That's the title he got here. But it, it was a guy that um, I think went to school with him at Boston College mm-hmm. and worked with him at uh, at Kansas City. So he brought him and he brought Ian Cunningham in. For the rest of the scouts, they're auditioning for their jobs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and that'll be determined, you know, you know how the day after the the last game is Black Monday? Yeah. Well, personnel departments Monday or Tuesday after the draft after the draft is Black Monday or Tuesday. Oh my uh, Especially if you have a, a new general manager, scouting director, etc., because mm-hmm. then they're gonna and, and they already know who they want. It's not like they're gonna go, you know, okay, I'm getting rid of this guy. And then go on a search. They already know who they want. <laughs> yes, <laughs> they got a list of people. Absolutely right. And then part of it is um, sometimes you got to give a better title, which means you got to pay them more money mm-hmm. uh, in order to get them. Right. And and another thing be like I got Mark Mark Sadowski because he was out of contract. Mm-hmm. You know, we had an opening and and. Mark was looking because he just wasn't totally happy with the New Orleans situation. And at the time he was there. And so he didn't tell New Orleans that he was going to look, but he was looking and I found out about it. Mm. And so then, and I already had known Mark and had seen him on the road, was pretty familiar with how he acted at school calls and stuff. Uh, so, you know, he was my, my number one guy then to, to, to fill that role. And then New Orleans was a little pissed because they assumed that he was coming back. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Mickey Loomis called Ted and, you know, voiced his opinion. And Mickey Loomis and, and Ted are, you know, pretty close buddies. Uh-huh. And... <laughs> You know, so Ted he says, "Hey, I I don't want to get Mickey pissed off." And I told him, "Hey, he's out of contract. Yeah. He he's got no tie there. He's free agent." Mm-hmm. And he said, "Oh, okay. Then then we're good." That's um, it's it's nice that uh, Jerry felt you know that sense of respect and camaraderie and stuff. But at the same time, come on, go get your guy. <laughs> I don't care if he's on the contract or not. I want him. <laughs> All right. Uh, the other thing I wanted to ask you about what you mentioned is the private workouts, pro days versus combine. Do you put more uh, emphasis on one of those two workouts uh, more than the other? Private. Why is that? 100% of the time, especially with quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Pro days for quarterbacks are pro days for, for every other position can be very, very useful for quarterbacks. Pro days are useless. Uh, they're scripted events. Okay, so Justin Fields is going to throw 62 throws, say, on the It's already scripted. He's practiced those 62 throws numerous times and exactly how we, the order he's going to do them. 
And then, so, and, and, and the coaches from the teams in the league there at the pro day have no involvement in a quarterback workout. His guru uh, is the guy that does everything. Right. He runs the workout and you're watching. Right. And so it's, it's for show and it doesn't show any weaknesses because they're not going to show that part of his game. And it only shows the strengths where when you do a private workout, especially with a quarterback first getting him in the classroom. So you might present him with five, six, seven, eight plays. They come out of your playbook with the um, complete with the, with the language and terminology that you use and then see how quickly he can pick that up. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you'll draw stuff up on the board and then, you know, have him take notes and then say, okay, now you draw everything we just did. Now you do it. And you explain everything to me. Mm-hmm. And so now you're seeing how quickly his mind works and did he pay attention? Uh, then you get done with that and you got interviews going on too. So you're, you're getting to see the, you know, if, if, if you can get along with this guy, if, you, if there, there's going to be a rapport or whatever, then you say, okay, we're going out on the field now. And what we talked about in here, we're going to do on the field. The difference between that and a pro day for a quarterback is the quarterback knows exactly what he's going to do and when he's going to do it. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have a freaking clue what he's going to do in a private workout. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's all new. So now you're, you're seeing more reaction out of the player instead of something that's been rehearsed. Now with the other positions, it's a little different because the, the pro coach is pretty much, once you get all the measurables done, the 40, the, the three cone, 20 shuttle, all those things, then the coaches get, it's only about a 20 minute period that they give you. And you might have the, you know, coaches work together and, and they got, you know, this guy's going to do one drill. This guy's going to do a drill. This guy's going to do a drill. And, and especially with the offensive linemen, those coaches do a great job of, of working together as far as getting things that you want to see from a guy. Uh, defensive backs, I think I'd, I'd rather have a private workout because there's a lot of things you want to find out, and you might not see it in a pro day. And you, you know, you're going to need more than 15 minutes or 20 minutes. Okay. So, for instance, uh, name one of the things you'd be looking for from a defensive back at this private workout. Um, just, you know, the quickness of his feet, his change of direction, his ability to uh, transition. In other words, go from a back pedal to coming forward, to closing. Right. How quickly he does that. How fluid his, his hips are. Mm-hmm. And then his hands. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's one guy, and I can't remember his name, because this goes back when, when, when Lovey was here, and he was rated highly, you know, with the draft nicks and stuff, as, um, as a corner. Mm-hmm. You know, like a potential low, you know, 20 to 40 guy, I'll say. So low first round, bo- bottom third of the first round, top third of the second round. And that's where he went. He went in the second round. Lovey goes to work him out and comes back. And, and Lovey is really, really good with defensive backs. That's where he started his, his 
careers coaching defensive backs. Go on. He said he can't he can't catch a thing. He has no and and his ball reactions are terrible. Great athlete. But he said he couldn't find the ball if you handed it to him. Wow. Wow. And so the guy went in the second round, he busted. Because he, you know, ball reactions were terrible. His hands are terrible, and I, you know, I, I know I've said this before. That's the it, it, one of the most important things I learned from Lubby. I used to, you know, when I was out scouting, and you'd see it, you know, defensive back get his hands on the ball mm-hmm. and get a pass breakup. That's a good play. Lubby goes, no, it's not. Why not? He didn't catch it. He didn't make the interception. He said, they make the interception, they don't have the ball. If they don't have the ball, they can't score because you've got the ball. That I mean, is wild. The stuff, but, you know, a lot of times it's something that you just don't think about. Mm-hmm. Um, fascinating. Uh, and beyond that now, so what happens when you've got this information from your com- the combine? the uh pro day all the information that's been accumulated and and are we leaving anything out in terms of information gathering that is really really important when you're settling your your board well we we have talked a little bit about you know uh private issues and that's one of the questions i had for you is how extensive is that background check on players well, the, the league does a, a background check on everybody, but it's generally looking for arrests and convictions. You know, so... Not leadership it, skills and, and things right. like that. Right. That, the, the league gives you that. Mm-hmm. But good scouts are going to find that out anyway. And, and you're, you're finding a lot of that out with, um, you know, your scouts when they make their school calls because you're not just talking to... A, couple coaches on the coaching staff talk to the weight coach talk to the trainer talk to the janitor talk to the equipment guy you know because they know the guy and and i'll tell you who the best source is one of the best sorts of information the academic advisor Hmm. because they can tell you and they for some reason even though they work for the school they just seem to not have a tie to (laughs) <laughs> the program like a like a coach would yeah. and and then you got to know who your sources are can i trust the source right and sometimes it takes a few years to figure that out right because you could you can get burned i'll tell you like one guy um bill snyder was retired now it was a coach at kansas state forever mm-hmm. and before that he was at iowa he was a coordinator at iowa and he was the pro liaison as a coordinator. Mm-hmm. Bill would never say a bad thing about a guy. Never. And so, you know, anything he said, he just threw out. Huh. And at Penn State, when Joe was there, anything you said, you just didn't believe. I never even took a note. Because you knew it wasn't reliable information. Interesting. Uh, Chris asked, do teams use private detectives? Yes. That's a, oh, tell me more about that. This is sort of like, this is not common knowledge that teams will, will hire private detectives. Tell me how that works. Follow a guy. 
really just follow them it's like yeah. cheaters the tv show cheaters the guy hidden cameras <laughs> yeah just see what the hell he's doing Wow. Or, I mean, depending if, if there's something that you need to find out about. But if you've got questions about his nightlife or something like that, mm -hmm. you might hire a guy to follow him for a few days and just see what he's doing, what kind of trouble he's getting. I'll, I'll tell you a funny story. Mm -hmm. Know who Parcells used to get to find out what his own – these weren't draft judges. This is his own team. Oh. <laughs> he, he, he wanted to find out what they were doing and where they were going. Mm -hmm. No, he no, he hired his two daughters. <laughs> Were they qualified for this job? How how's that come about? Hey, one of them, one of them's married to Scott Pioli right now. Is uh, that right? Yeah, oh, wow. The he'd have them find out where the players were going and go in. <laughs> See what they're doing at the party, at the club. Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> interesting, interesting. And and now, they didn't know, players didn't know that was Bill's daughter's there. Mm -hmm. Now, how can a player like uh, Sam Hurd uh, fly under the radar? This guy was arrested for a, a huge drug deal. He was uh, picked up from uh, the Cowboys by the Chicago Bears, and this incident, with his legal issues started when he was with the Bears. How 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 did that happen? Well, and, and I tell you, that's one of the reasons Jerry got canned mm. was that signing. That's too bad. But I don't <laughs> think. I mean, you talk to the people in in Dallas mm. to this day; uh -huh. they had no idea. Nobody knew. And I mean, a very clean living kid mm -hmm. um, went to Northern Illinois. Uh -huh. He wasn't from here, but that, that's where he went to school. Mm -hmm. And everything you could find out was all positive yeah. about the guy. I mean, that was just, you know, that dark side of him. Yeah. And, he, and he actually started getting involved in the drug business when he was with Dallas. Interesting. And got into it heavy. I mean, wasn't using, mm -hmm. was dealing. And he was making some big, I mean, when, when they got wind of it and the FBI got involved and stuff, I mean, we're talking a damn shitload full of drugs now. Yeah. Yeah, that was a, that was a scary incident for, well, for him and his family, obviously, but the but for the Bears organization, it really raised a lot of eyebrows. You know, how could this happen? A great, great organization, and um, they, I gotta tell you, because we, I mean, you, you went back and and even after you know you talked to to people at Dallas, and the only other team he was with was Dallas, mm -hmm. and and you say well, we had no idea, right? And they didn't. Everybody was shocked. Right. I guess, you know, I shouldn't be so surprised. Uh, you know, there are a lot of people who on the surface uh, present themselves as all American citizens, but, you know, they've got some personality defect, whether it's, you know, trying to make an extra buck by doing something illegal, whether it's cheating on taxes, selling drugs or whatever, you know, and it's not something that they do uh, consistently, but they did it once or twice and then they get, got caught. So, it is uh, unfortunate that that happened. Yeah, but this this was at a at a big time scale. Mm -hmm. I mean, this guy was really involved. I mean, like wow. involved with the heads of cartels and stuff. Mm -hmm. And and how any nobody found out about it. You know, I don't know, but they totally went under the radar. Mm -hmm.
Um, all right, so let's get back to preparation. Uh, we've we've done the workouts. We've collected information on players. Uh, scouts and coaches are collaborating to get together on on issues. When is that big board being finalized or getting close to, to being finalized? The the last few weeks leading up to the draft. So okay. you get into you get into April, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then you start setting your board Mm -hmm. and you've got the coaches information you know all the grades you had from the fall are strictly from scouts right so now you're you're entering in what what the coach's opinion is and their opinion matters it's not necessarily going to go you know over the top sometimes you're looking for you know that that the coach backs up with what the scouts have already told you Mm -hmm. and 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 part of it is is background because you know a coach may have had a relationship with some of the coaches at the school the kid comes from mm-hmm. and so he can pick up the phone and you know find out real information again you've got to know who you're getting the information from and you got to be able to trust those sources mm-hmm. so if you can get some close ties with your coaches, then that really can help your process. Then you tie the whole thing together. Mm-hmm. And, and when you get in and, and we'll go over this again, as we get closer to the draft, mm-hmm. you know, you set your board, you're not going to have names on your board of guys you don't want. Right. All that is, is clutter. Yeah, just you get just <laughs> have the names you like. Mm-hmm. We went into a draft we we kept paring it down every year. But my last few drafts, we had less than 100 players on the board. Mm-hmm. And you'd get all your draft picks out of that and maybe half of your undrafted free agents. Mm-hmm. And and with the undrafted free agents, you know, we used to bring, you had the, the, the 30 visits you're allowed. Almost half of those 30 visits were guys we knew we weren't going to draft. They're going to be in, we wanted to get a medical on them. Mm-hmm. Get the and, and we wanted to start the the selling process mm-hmm. with these guys because you gotta you know they gotta make a quick decision after the draft so you want to start recruiting them yeah. like back in college so you start weeks before and we tell them what on, on those kids that we bring in on the thirty visits that we knew we weren't going to draft right. I think one or two we ended up drafting late. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'd tell them, we'd be totally honest with them because kids appreciate honesty. They might not like it, but they appreciate it. They say, Hey, look, we're not drafting you. We like it. We like a lot. We're not drafting you. We got other things we got to take care of. I hope you do get drafted, Mm -hmm. but if you don't, we want you. And, and, and you tell them why, but then you start a relationship between him and the position coach, the guy who's going to be coaching him. So it's not, I'm not the only guy talking to him. Mm-hmm. You know, the general manager talks to him, the head coach talks to him, the position coach talks to him. And then you keep following that up. Mm-hmm. You know, week after week after week, you're always making calls mm-hmm. to the guy. Um, Mule says that sometimes these UDFAs have character flaws for some uh, in, in some instances, but are gifted athletes. I, I would I would speculate that that's probably very true. 
Well, perfect example that Jackson that got the big free agent contract, New England signed him as a free agent. He had some big time issues off the field. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, he got tossed out of one school, went to another. Um, So he didn't get drafted. But he was, uh, we we had a player on our team in, in the XFL that came out of LSU early. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he got from the committee, the um, undergraduate grading committee. Right. He got a first round grade. Mm-hmm. He went undrafted oh. because he had some issues. Now, when when you when you're doing the uh, the grading for the for the committee, you know, all you're looking at is raw talent. And a lot of times in the fall, you don't have that information. Mm-hmm. So there's a base, and you don't have the medical. Mm-hmm. Guys drop for two reasons, medical and character. Interesting. Okay. What about other teams? What is the effort put in by the teams you've been associated in terms of trying to anticipate who they are going to draft? So you want to know, of course, I would imagine is that you want to know what the team's drafting right before you, what their needs are. Maybe you've collected information that they might be going after a certain somebody. Uh, tell me a little bit about that, or is that you know not not the main priority heading heading into the draft? Not, what, what you you never I never tried tried to tie a certain player to a certain team, okay? Because generally speaking, that's false information. Okay, and you're guessing. Mm-hmm. What you try to do is is tie positions to a team, mm-hmm. and part and a lot. We used to have the pro department do that. Mm-hmm. There's a lot to go on, so that was one of their jobs. And of and course, they they would they would okay, based on what their roster is, what the depth chart is, what they did on free agency. This is their needs. And of course, there's the famous incident here in Chicago where Ryan Pace trades up one slot to acquire the quarterback that he wanted, Mitchell Trubisky. So I'm wondering, you know, did they have intel that another team was interested in Trubisky at that number two slot, or was that perhaps well, just the I thought over- Cleveland might Cleveland had a lot of ammo uh-huh. to move up, and Cleveland already had the number one pick, and they thought they might try to move up to get the number two pick. So he made that trade. Very rarely do you make trades before the draft. Yeah, yeah. That trade was worked out a week before the draft. Wow. Wasn't announced until the draft. But right, it was, right. And, and they had, and, and in all honesty, San Francisco thought that they were going to, the, the Bears were going to take Solomon Thomas, mm-hmm. who ended up going to, to the 49ers on, on, on the next pick. Uh-huh. They thought, well, with what we're getting from it, it's worth giving up on, you know, not getting Thomas because we're going to get this mm-hmm. and we're still getting a good player. Well, they got Thomas anyway, and Thomas busted. He did. He did did not play to expectations whatsoever. That uh, le- That's a good segue to one of the questions that we had earlier about the three-tech defensive linemen. We saw, unfortunately, that the Ogunjobi acquisition did not work. 
I kind of think I did actually a couple of mock drafts this weekend, and I kind of think that if there's a, a three tech uh, that they like for the second round, that they might, you know, take that guy in the second round. What, what are your thoughts? No, I don't think so. I think they really? they because uh, I think um, Edwards can play the three. Mm-hmm. He's not a real big guy, Edwards. You know, and and he's got and and they signed the guy uh, from the Chargers. After the, I, I think he was literally their number two guy after Ogan Joby flunked the physical, mm-hmm. um, and th- and that was a surprise, you know. But you know that happens, and and you know it, it had to be that that foot injury that he got at the end of the season had to be a lot worse than some people thought. Mm-hmm. And you notice he hasn't gotten signed by anybody. Yeah, yet. that's right. Okay, so and I'm sure some people check with the Bears. What you know? What'd you get on the medical? So it has to be something that that, uh, like I say, I know these doctors, and a lot of times if, if they're going to be more lenient with a um, with a veteran player than they are with a college guy because the vet has already played at the high level. Mm-hmm. And again, it depends what the issue is. The worst issue, and I've, I've said this numerous times, is arthritic conditions. Yeah. And uh, because arthritis never gets better. If he's got an arthritic knee and he was missing practice time yeah. in college mm-hmm. because of that knee, they aren't going to take him. We, Our doctors will kill that guy. Wow. Because it's only going to get worse. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, but if he's got a torn labrum in his shoulder, mm-hmm. I'll fix it. <laughs> that is, you know, it, 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 that's not a big deal, mm-hmm. you know. And, and they know he's going to come back and and play. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it's so really, it depends what the injury is. Mm-hmm. But the worst things are arthritic conditions, mm-hmm. especially in the knees. Mm-hmm. Now, I know we don't have a first-round draft pick, and I've heard stories of teams reaching out to player agents, you know, just to kind of test the waters on, you know, what what the player is going to demand. And there are restrictions, of course, with the CBA. There are some caps on what players can make. But is there any contact going on with, let's say, the, the folks at Hallisall and any player agents right now? Um, Not right now. Mm-hmm. You'll have – uh, but as you get closer to the draft, mm-hmm. you know, you'll call, especially the agents of players that, that you're focusing on, mm-hmm. you know, let's say there's some receivers they like, you know, and, and, you know, so you call the agents of, uh, of some of these different receivers. What are you hearing? Mm-hmm. Where do you think he's going? And you got to take it with a grain of salt. They all lie. Remember this is lying season. <laughs> Because they're all trying to get their guy mm-hmm. taken a little bit higher. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And w- what we used to do, um, and I, I might have told the story before, but, uh, you know, Rick Goslin used to um, be a great source with the Dallas Morning News. Mm-hmm. And, and Rick and Jerry were really close. But Jerry would talk to Rick twice a week for a month <laughs> up until the, the like the day before the draft. 
mm-hmm. because Rick would canvas probably 17, 18 teams. Mm-hmm. And he had a pretty good feel where guys were going mm-hmm. and, and not necessarily, okay, the Jets are taking this guy. But more, and this is what was helpful to us, is, is that it's, this guy's a high first. Okay, he's probably going to go in the first part of the second round. You know, again, not necessarily tied to the team, but tied to the area of the draft. So you know where you can get guys. So in other words, um, let's say if Rick comes back and he said, the consensus is this guy is a high three. Mm-hmm. Okay, and, and you're picking third lat. You're picking thirty in the second round, and you really like the guy, mm-hmm. and you don't have anybody better. Then now you know that. I, I, well, if I want him, I better take him right now. There you go. Because that the consensus is this is where the guy's going, and we and we call other people. Mm-hmm. And, and again, you got to sift through all the BS because there is a lot of lying going on. I talked to Kuiper because I knew him. I talked to Mayock. Mm-hmm. Jerry talked to Goslin and, and, and a couple other guys. And you do that around the league now. You're trying to get as much information as possible so that you can, you know, go into the draft with a plan. You always set a plan. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going, hey, I want... I, 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 I want to come up with this, with this, 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 and this, but okay, how am I going to do it? And so you don't necessarily know the player. We used to have like, we didn't do quote mock drafts. We do um, come up with series like, well, you know, five players. These are the, these are the, our, our first five picks. This guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, if we trade it out, Okay, we know we might not get this guy because we're dropping down, but now we're going to pick up the drop-down pick and then another draft and then, say, a third-round pick or something like that. And so you pencil it, but I get this guy in the third round mm-hmm. plus the guy I'm going to get after trading down. So what's better, these five guys or right. now I got six, but it's not just the number. It's who I'm taking with that player or with that pick. Right, right. Good stuff. And, and I find it fascinating that, you know, you would li- would rely on the media to acquire, you know, scuttlebutt and in, in insider information. And speaking of NFL insiders, we had a great one uh, that we lost, John Clayton, uh, formerly of ESPN. And you shared a story with me about John, that he was critical about some of the things uh, that were going on at Hallisaw. But then you had a talk with him and things kind of worked well, out. John would just kill us all the time. <laughs> Always. And, and, you know, I didn't know him. Jerry didn't know him. But he, he just would. And this was at the beginning of our. And I'm sure it was before that, too. But when we first couple of years we were there, you know, he would kill us. Well, you know, I had a bad bout in, in 2002 with diverticulitis. I had to have surgery. Um, you know, I was had two different surgeries. And, uh, you know, like 10 weeks apart. And, you know, I was pretty sick. And turns out after I had the second surgery that I find out that Clayton's in the hospital and for the same thing. 
Now we knew who each other were, but you know, we had never talked. So I, I found out what hospital he was at, gave him a call and said, you know, introduce myself and blah, blah. I said, John, I just want to call you because I know what you're going through and this is what's going to happen next. And this right. is what's going to happen after that. And, and you know, exactly what it's going to be like. Because it, 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 back then, now they've changed. I have an incision that starts here and, you know, it's like a 15-inch incision. They don't even do that anymore. That's all done laparoscopically. But this was, you know, 20 years ago. Uh-huh. Well, he was so appreciative. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we became friends and used to talk all the time. He never said a bad word about the bears again. Wow. <laughs> How about that? And, I, and, and, you know, I told Jerry, I said, before I even called him, mm-hmm. I said, I'm doing this. I said, part of it is because he kills us and I'm going to see if, you know, you make a friend and yeah, exactly. he's not going to kill you anymore. Mm-hmm. It's all about relationships uh, in, in just about any business on planet Earth, man. It really is. Um, okay. So what else? are we leaving out that we should learn about preparations for the draft 30 days out? Well, again, right now you're still accumulating information. Okay. So in a few weeks, and we'll talk about this down, you start putting that final board together and creating a plan for the draft. Mm -hmm. You can't create a plan right now. You're still signing free agents. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, I, you know, you see all these things like uh, the Bears are going to do this in the second round and this in the second round. You don't know that. Yeah. And I guarantee you a corner is going to be one of them. Unless there's just, you know, there's no corner there. Mm-hmm. Because it's a very, very, the value of the position is way up here. Mm-hmm. Now, whether the other one's going to be a, an offensive lineman or a wide receiver or whatever, well, you got to look. Okay, if you get Bates... Mm-hmm. and then they feel good about the tackles, then they may say, well, we'll take a lineman, but it's going to be more for a, a, a depth guy. Mm-hmm. Because they've already, in free agency, they would have signed two interior starters, a center and a, and a right guard. Right. So now, you know, you could you go out and still do a Fisher? Yeah, they could. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just don't see them spending the money right now, but it, it, if, you know, they could get to that point. Especially if, you know, after they have that original mini camp and, and Fisher's unsigned and then they don't like what they see, then they could do that, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and go from there. But and, until you get a pretty good handle on, on what they've done in free agency, now, I, I don't expect, I mean, a, could you have a trade happen over the next couple of days while they're at the meetings? Yeah. But generally speaking, these few days are sort of quiet. Yeah, you mentioned that to me before. And and then now agents are there, but you know, part of the process is you gotta bring the guy in for a physical, he's gotta pass the physical. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you don't have anybody at the office. I loved it when these league meetings are going. I got more work done during these league meetings than even because you know Jerry was gone, Ted was gone, the McCaskies were gone. You know, it's like, and and they gave the coaches, the coaches usually get off. 
unless they, unless they had to go to a pro day or something. Uh-huh. And and so it was real quiet. You'd get a ton of work done. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> hey, um, Dakota Dozier, 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 Dozier. I think. Yeah. I think yeah. Uh, signed uh, by the Chicago Bears, thirty-year-old, uh, according to uh, ChicagoBears.com, appeared in seventy-six games with twenty-seven starts over seven NFL seasons with the Jets and Vikings. Um, this is probably just a, I shouldn't say just a depth piece, but you know, uh, you know, it is a, a depth piece. I, he, there's yes. no anticipation that he's going to be fighting for a starting job. He's, he's fighting to be a backup, right? Yes. Okay. Well, and, and, and there might be some guys to sign. I mean, we haven't seen the contract yet, but when you see the, the contractual numbers, that gives you an idea too, you know, right. it, it, whether they're, if, if the guy gets money, he's going to be here. Right. Okay, but if he's getting better minimum or something like that, or just over the better minimum or a couple hundred thousand dollars signing bonus, mm-hmm. if he doesn't pan out in camp, but what he does have is versatility mm-hmm. and being able to play anywhere. And so, and, and you've lost, you know, they didn't tender bars. He's gone to the Raiders. Mustaver's still back. Um, a Fetty's still on the street, or did he get signed? I think he's still on the streets. Okay, but but some other guy, Wilkinson or Wilkerson or whatever his name is, he signed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I don't think they're going to bring a Fetty back, but because I don't think he's the the athletic type that they're looking for. Mm-hmm. You know, for their offensive line going yeah. forward. Right. You know, a, a different. A whole totally different type of, of body type that they're looking for because mm-hmm. um, it's a different, you know, different scheme, more of a zone blocking scheme than, than they were using before. Yeah. And they want some guys who can get out in space. Yeah. But it, it's, now I lost my whole train of thought here. Where was I, where, where was I going, Aldo? Help me you, here. You were going to uh, uh, offensive linemen and signings, Dakota Dozier. Uh, right. Uh, and, and I've got a, I got a question that, you know, to help you get through this uh, memory uh, burp. What do, uh, do you think that an, these athletic offensive linemen that the Bears are seeking, is that common that you can find a good one in the mid-rounds? I mean, athletic offensive linemen, that is like a, a, a vintage wine, isn't it? Um, not necessarily. Mm-hmm. Okay. Bates was a, a UDFA. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, his workout numbers were pretty darn good. Okay. But it, it's... You know, you you see what the guy did once he got to the league, mm-hmm. and 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 uh, the other guy, uh, Lucas Patrick, he was a he was an undrafted free agent too. Yeah, yeah. You know, they got they got with the right team and they got to play, mm-hmm. and and they turned out to be good players. And you know, who who thought Borum was going to be good when he got drafted in the fifth round? Yeah, and he you know he might have been a um, you know fine. Right. And that that leads me to a question that I had uh, on my notes here. You know, Borum is a perfect example of a guy who had impressive tape, but there were some concerns, which is why he was at the fifth round. But after the season was over, he went through a body transformation that almost made him a, a different player, a better player. 
because he was more well, than Well, more he, he lost 30 pounds. Right. I mean, or that, more or more because he was he was 350 plus. Wow. What the plus was, you know, we're guessing. Could but be 10, I, could be 20. <laughs> right. But by the time he got to the pro day, he was 322. Uh-huh. Now Juan Castillo said after they drafted him and after they had the rookie minicamp, we, uh, we, he's too skinny, mm-hmm. but one, one of those real big guys, Yeah, right. this group doesn't want that. They want more movement skills. So mm-hmm. I would be a bit surprised if you're going to see Tevin Jenkins and Borum in between 315, 320. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And it's going to a lot to do. And we talked about this before. They're, it's not necessarily the weight. It's the percentage of body fat mm-hmm. where they can play at an optimal level. Um, the Tooch asks, how would uh, Greg assess, rate the job Ryan Poles has done so far? He's held to his word. Yeah. He said he's done exactly what he said he's going to do. And I, I get it. Some people are, are frustrated, but he, you know, I, I, I read thing, one thing that I had not seen read it like last week or something. He goes, I'm not getting into bidding more for anybody. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it's not worth it because you're overpaying them. He's going to pay them what he thinks is, is the right price mm-hmm. and then go from there. And, and uh, I still think that they'll sign one more veteran receiver. And I went through it. I spent yesterday and, and Saturday doing it. So there's still some, decent free agent receivers out there. Yeah. There's the one guy you mentioned, but with him, it's, it's the medical. Because he's coming. Yeah. Deshaun, he, he's coming off an ACL and he had the surgery in May. So he's only 11 months out now. And so where is he at 11 months out? So you'd have to bring him in. You have to have your doctors look at him, etc. But that, you know, that's could be a guy that, you know, and, and you'd sign a guy like that to a one-year deal. But then I went through and, and, and the list, and I started doing some tape. Traquan Smith yeah, with New Orleans, mm-hmm. he went in the third round. And his teammate mm-hmm. was Valdez Scantling mm-hmm. at, at Central Florida. Mm-hmm. And Valdez Scantling went actually later. This, it's what's funny is... Traquan is the slower of the two. He's not as big. He's 6016, so six one and three quarters, 210, where Velda Scantling is almost 6'5, I think. Uh Traquan ran a 449 and, and Velda Scantling ran a 436 or something like that. But when you look at the jumps and the change of direction, Traquan Smith is better. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. I mean, so and, and he is. He played a lot for, for New Orleans. Now, he had some injuries. I don't. One was an ankle. I don't know what the other one was. But, I mean, he's been a guy that's caught mid-20s to low 30-type catches a year, you know, and, and, and started games. You know, and, and not start one or two. He's, like, started 20 games or something. Um, another guy, guy I love, but they're not going to sign, is Cole Beasley. Yeah, well, and Mule was just asking. He's still available, Mule, and uh, yeah, well, I'm with you. I, I don't think he fits the, the profile. Yeah. Because if if they're going to do a Green Bay, Green Bay had all big guys. Mm-hmm. And so 
and and this guy's five foot eight, if he's lucky. <laughs> um, and you know, when you do the digging, I mean, he's got some paint. The guy's good. I mean, 164 catches in the last two years. Wow. Uh, I think he's one of the better slot, pure slot mm -hmm. in, in the league. Um, he knows how to get open. He can get open against man. He can get open against uh, uh, zone. Got great hands. Super route runner. He, he gets separation instantly. He's just a little guy, and he's a pain in the ass. Mm -hmm. Got some selfishness to him. Wouldn't get vaccinated. Um, just, you know, stuff like that. So do you want and, – and as good as he was, Buffalo said, yeah. see ya. Yeah, you know, so – yeah, and then and he played three years there. He had like 225 catches in three years. And Buffalo uh, told his agent, "Go ahead and try to work out a deal," and they weren't able to work something out. And so, yeah, but that never happens when you talk. It's never. Yeah, you can tell the agent that. That means we're you're getting cut. But you know some other names I had. Um, this guy, I don't think he's going to be fast enough. Uh, with the Jets, Keelan Cole. And uh, then there's um, Adam Humphreys, yeah, who was with uh, Washington. Nice but he's a, he's a littler guy. He's yeah. 5'10", 195 pounds. Tajay Sharp mm -hmm. uh, was with Atlanta. Another big guy, 6'4", 195. Mm -hmm. uh, ran a 4.55". Uh, Humphreys read a four five three coming out. Um, then another guy, but he's bounced around. But I put no after him was Mario Johnson. He's been with the Colts and I think the Cowboys and some others. Um, and then Chester Rogers, who was uh, he'd be strictly a depth guy. He was with Tennessee, but those and your guy, uh, Deshaun Hamilton. But there's guys out there. And you yeah. and you know the longer you wait, the better yep. kind of deal you can get. Right. What What about post June first? From your experience with the league, are they usually you know really uh, enticing names that get released post June first? Um. Yeah, there can be, and sometimes it's not even post June first. It's after you have a you know you get your mini can you start OTAs and you get your draft choices in. And you see, well, this guy might be better than I thought he was. That type of thing. And then you're gonna, you're already gonna pencil him in for a role, and so you're just gonna get rid of the competition. So yeah, there can be, and and the you know the the June first designation, guys, um, you know Danny Trevathan got that, and uh, Tariq Cohen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Another team can sign him today. They just still count against the Bears cap until June 1st, mm -hmm. even if they sign a contract. They, their money doesn't come off the books until June 1st because of that thing. But, uh, yeah, I mean, just for cap purposes, if you wait till June 1st to, to cut some guys, you, you're going to, you know, take a lesser hit this year. But what, what the Bears are going to get right off the bat, they're getting over $8 million on June 1st. So June 2nd, about $8 million in cap space hits, hits the books. Because of Danny Trevathan and yeah. uh, Tariq Cohen, right. it's not there now, but it's it's coming. Gotcha. 
Jay Sanders in the chat room has been talking that the Bears are usually cheap with their receivers. They wouldn't pay Allen Robinson. They'd rather let uh, and would rather let Nagy sabotage his targets than pay him. You want to destroy that narrative? Um, first of all, you got different people involved now, mm-hmm. so it, it it's like Ryan is paying what he has to pay for these guys, but he's not going to overpay. Right. And I, I agree with that. Like I say, he, he probably could have got Velda Scantling, but he would have had to pay him $30 million. Mm-hmm. And to him, and, and he had the guy, you know, gets you his work with him his whole time as a pro. He's had him, you know, he's his offensive coordinator. What a better source of saying, you know, what's this guy worth? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do, do you think that there has been a philosophy by, you know, previous Bears administrations to not go after those big contract wide receivers? Um, it's like like the I, whole I get, running back thing. You don't no, draft because, running backs anymore. Well, Elshon got money once. He didn't get it right the second time. Um, no, they, they've, they've paid guys money. We, we signed Moose Muhammad mm-hmm. after he got released by Carolina. And that was actually, that was at the combine. Mm-hmm. And it was before free agency started. Mm-hmm. And we signed him to a pretty big number at that time. You know, so no, that, that's, I, I, I think that, that, a generalization like that is not fair, especially because it's a different group. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I you can make the argument that, you know, certain teams would prefer to spend their uh, big budget, uh, spend money on their big budget players that are outside the wide receiver position. They would rather spend it in the offensive and defensive line and so forth and, and try to find those those gems that can develop. But Jay Sanders, you know, has to realize that the Bears have tried to get wide receivers who could become top-notch wide receivers. Unfortunately, Anthony Miller failed. He and and may, maybe that's more on him than the coaching staff's fault. Uh, this guy was had tremendous talent. I, and we here at the barroom were so excited when the Bears traded back into the second round to draft Anthony Miller. We all kind of saw him as having top-level kind of Antonio Brown ability. Yeah, he's a knucklehead. Yeah, exactly. Unfortunately, he he had more of Antonio Brown's uh, sensibilities in terms of uh, his discipline. So that's the problem. Very undisciplined player. uh, Didn't pay attention to what he needed to pay attention about. Mm-hmm. And he's been cut, what, one or two times since. Yeah. Yeah. And Herney uh, says, you know, I think Pringle will be productive. I, I actually think that Pringle is a candidate to have a bust out season. I mean, he is the epitome of Ryan Poe's set. I'm going to sign guys who want to come in and prove that they can land then a big contract later. Pringle could catch 80 passes, eight touchdowns, and be in line for a $15 million contract uh, in 2023. I really do believe he's yeah, that type uh, of player. I mean, the same thing could happen with St. Brown. Oh, St. Yeah. Brown is a talented guy. Mm-hmm. You know, he's very, very talented. You go back and you watch his tape at Notre Dame. He's got a lot of talent. But, you know, he was just 
one of many at Green Bay. At Green Bay had one thing. He's, um, you know, they had a very heavy core of, of, of receivers. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of them. And so getting playtime was difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, last question here. Toreen says, Bill's reached an agreement with New York State for a $1.4 billion new stadium. New York State will pay $600 million. Bill's $500 million and county $250 million. NFL owners unanimously, unanimously passed the proposal. I know the bills are near and dear to you. What are your thoughts on that? Well, the numbers I saw before we started the show are different. The state's coming up. The state and the county are coming up with 850. There you go. Between okay. the two. Yeah. Okay. The bills are coming up with 350. Okay. The league's coming up with 250. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a 62 to 63,000 seat open air stadium. And it's going to be directly across the street from the current stadium. Hmm. And, you know, there's some people say, why aren't they building it downtown? Because the cost to build one downtown between land acquisition and then having to to do all the infrastructure work and then the demolition of the land there was a billion dollars more. Hmm. So it would have been about $2.3 billion to do it downtown. You know, one point three to 1.4 to do it right across the street from where they currently are. So do you think that's going to have an impact on what the Chicago bears might do in Arlington Heights? I don't know if they have uh, publicly stated that they're going to seek state money. Um, And and if they, if they are looking for that, will they use those numbers as a kind of a figure to approach the Illinois state? Um. Yeah, but every every state's different. Oh yeah, and then, you know you, you you can go back. How how much did Nevada put up for that new stadium? And and I don't know what the numbers are, but I mean that you know you could use that. Yeah. Um, but you know Buffalo, they wanted they feel it's a true home field advantage mm-hmm. playing in the elements, so they didn't want a a, a dome facility. Mm-hmm. They're never going to get a Super Bowl. And then, I mean, the city's not big enough. You don't have, you know, so that wasn't going to happen. So, but here you build it, they will get a Super Bowl. They'll probably get more than one. Mm -hmm. They will get a Final Four. Mm -hmm. They might even get a national football championship. You know, so you're going to, you're going to get a lot of events going on in that place. And, and, you know, I, capacity it's probably going to be 65 to 68 something like that covered stadium mule has uh, some business advice for me he says i should buy a bar in arlington heights and turn it into a bears bar room site uh if it's close to the proposed stadium you know well, what, you mule? better buy it now because the price of all that <laughs> exactly. all that land's going to go sky high exactly yeah, i'll tear down my house and build it right here <laughs> no I, I i'm gonna tell you i i mean shit i'll probably be dead by then by the time this thing is there but i i think that there's 325 acres there i don't know how many acres they're going to need for parking in the stadium mm-hmm. but not anywhere near 325. right and whether they lease the rest of that land or or sell it off mm-hmm. for to other developers with you know the, i'm sure they're going to have a plan yes yes you know, I, I guarantee you the casino is going to be one of them oh gosh um, 
you know, I think that's going to bring in alone mm-hmm. the hundred and ninety nine million or whatever they're paying for that that parcel of land. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. It's a beautiful uh, plot of land. It's not just a racetrack. If you take 53 North, you'll see there's like a practice uh, a racing field. And sometimes when you're driving early in the morning, you see the horses out there right. uh, warming up and it's a beautiful sight. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm excited about the potential of that site. Then hopefully, Greg, you and I will be around long enough to experience it. <laughs> what a great show. We covered so much. And next week we'll do the same. Um, I'm going to send Greg a list of a few players that I'd like to get his opinion at. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you a quick question regarding a mock draft that I conducted this week. And I actually had them. Uh, selecting Jalen Petrie. I had them trading down from 39 to 42 and selecting Jalen Petrie, who is a safety who plays in the box, uh, a strong safety. You know, I won't go through all the particulars as to why, but I, I just feel like, man, this is a great opportunity to get a really top-notch safety. Plus, Eddie Jackson may not be around another year. And so why not start complimenting the players that you have in safety. You lost Deion Bush to the Kansas City Chiefs. Am I totally out of my mind for thinking safety is a possibility? Uh, personally, I don't think losing Deion Bush was losing anything. Yeah. I Special think team. Is, yeah, yeah, but uh, you, you can find those guys. Yeah. Uh, and I'm glad they re-signed Houston Carson. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that, or Carson, whatever the hell his name is. So, that I that was a good signing. Um, I got to go back on my notes on and exactly what they were looking for safety wise in this scheme. You know, the, from when we were here playing that same scheme. You know, and I've got the profiles for every position. But you you know you got to have your linebackers got to cover. So I assume your safeties. We I think I've said this before. We got to. We felt we needed two Pro Bowl safeties back there. Right, right. right. You know they had a range. They had to have cover skills. Mm-hmm. Let's uh, put that uh, as a topic for in depth discussion on our next show. I'm really looking forward to getting your evaluation on a few players that Danny and Neil have talked about on Draft on Tap. You know, and this wide receiver uh, pool is so deep. I mean, it is exciting to see some of the names that are popping up on on mock drafts available late in the second round, early third round. I mean, these guys with potential to be plug and play players. It's amazing. Well, you got you got to get lucky too. The 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 right guys mm-hmm. are are still available. The one name that I see everybody throwing in for for Chicago and I'm like, eh. you know, is, is the wide receiver from Georgia. George, I like him. George Pickens. Pickens. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I like him. I don't love him. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a couple other guys I'd rather have. I'd rather have the North Dakota state receiver. Yeah. Christian Watson. Watson. I'd rather have the Cincinnati receiver. Oh gosh. What is his name? I'm forgetting. He, he's uh, yeah. from, he's from right down the street. One of the guys I'd love for you to uh, take a, a close look at is uh, Jalen uh, Tolbert, uh, who I know oh, he, 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 that's a good football player. Oh my goodness! Danny presented him on the last draft on tap and had some tape, and we looked at it, and boy, I was like super impressed. 
No, he's he's uh, a good route runner. He's sure-handed. He's got big hands. He's got like 10-inch hands. Mm-hmm. Um, nice. He runs good. He's 448 type of guy uh, when he was at the Combine. Um, I think uh, the, the Georgia kid was 449. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he's good, but he's 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 got a frail physique to him. And he's already torn an ACL. Mm, that's you not know, good. Yeah, I mean, he, well, he came. He's he, now he, he ran at four four nine at the combine. Mm-hmm. You know, one year after the ACL, so he might be a, even a little faster. But you don't see it. You know, when right. you're looking at at tape from 2020, you don't really see him any faster. He's a good player. I'm not taking anything away from him, mm-hmm. but um, the Cincinnati kid. To me, he's big time. Yeah. Pierce and Talbert says Cornelius Squalls. Yep. Yeah. Alec, be- Alec Pierce. He's from Glen Glen Ellen. That's right. Would Would you be shocked if they took two wide receivers with those two picks in the second round? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Particularly I, because I put it attack. this way: if they didn't take one at all, I I wouldn't be shocked. I think it depends if they get if they sign another vet. Mm-hmm. We'll be telling. Mm-hmm. And if they get Bates tomorrow, that's gonna because again, it's all gonna tie in. It's it's what did they get in free agency? Now you gotta you know you're relooking at your needs. Then it's it's you know do do they trade Quinn? Mm-hmm. And if they do trade Quinn, what do you get for? Him? Right, a second in a fourth or fifth. That's you gotta get that or no trade. That's what I say. Well, it it depends how you know where where they fall in the round too. Exactly, because if you get a late second rounder, it's basically a third rounder. So we'll put it this way: he's Von Miller just got a ton of money, and he's younger than Von Miller. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, boy, we start talking draft, and the questions start just start pouring in. But we've been here for an hour and forty two minutes. I'm gonna pull the, I'm gonna pull the plug on this edition of. Uh, of Gabriel talks football. Really appreciate you going OT and uh, and this topic that you brought up today was just fascinating. We could go another hour just on that topic alone, but we'll be mentioning we'll, we'll be covering the draft process in the shows to come. We'll start doing some player evaluations. We'll look at other free agents that still will be on the board. We've got a lot to talk about over the next couple of months or so before we take a break. Uh, you know, I don't know when we're going to take a break, but. We got we got a lot to talk about. It's going to be a lot of fun uh, because Greg Gabriel is here only at the bar room doing uh, his great work. Greg, thank you very much, and we'll see you thank next you. week. All right. Okay. Brother. Talk to you later, buddy. All right. And just a, a word to everyone. I met, I started at the the top of the show talking about the Mac and Reed show. That is a new addition to the bar room. They're going to release an audio only podcast this week. So if you have not subscribed to our audio podcast, uh, Barroom Network, please do so. Just go over to wherever you get your uh, podcasts, iTunes, uh, Podbean, Spotify, whatsoever, and subscribe to the Barroom Network. It'll be uh, uh, downloaded to your device for free. Uh, and then their first video show will be a week from this Wednesday. I want to say, actually, I think it's two weeks from this Wednesday. Uh, April 6th is the debut of their show. I will be directing that episode, and we're going to do a hell of a job to present an outstanding show. Uh, and it starts with the two talented co-hosts that we have, Ross Reed and Evan McLean, 
The, those guys are outstanding uh, podcasters, and they'll talk pop culture as well. I'm really looking forward to the debut of that show here on the Barroom Network. And, of course, we've got tons of other great stuff. Tonight, if you're a White Sox fan, you better stay tuned for South Burbs Hitman. It's the season debut of that great show with Joe Mandel and his partners, Vinny and Zim and Gonzo. Uh, so uh, stay tuned for that. And we've got a lot of football talk tomorrow on the Dan and Aldo Bear Their Souls show. Uh, so we've, we've got plenty of stuff for you. Just stick here with the Barroom Network. Give us a like on uh, our YouTube page and uh, let people know on social media what's going on here at the Barroom Network. For Greg Gabriel, my name is Aldo Gandia. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>